Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast for Book 10, Chapter 15, Prince Andre meets Denisov for the first time. Do you think they will get to know each other more, or is this a one-time meeting? Kutuzov listens to Denisov's proposal of attack and those of his generals, but seems to brush it all off. Will Denisov be able to see his plan out, uh, put into action? But how do you how do you think this leadership style will play out? And Kutuzov essentially tells his soldiers to loot without restraint at the end of the chapter. What do you think will come of this attitude towards the local resources? Um, it's cool to see Denisov again. He goes in guns blazing to tell Kutuzov his big plan. And I love the description of Kutuzov just all day, every day, just hearing people's big plan. And just doesn't even need to listen to it to know that he doesn't need to listen to it. Um, <laughs> if that makes sense. And you can imagine, right? Like, everyone would want to have a word to you and tell you their big idea. And you would just have this gut instinct of knowing if it's worth actually listening to someone. But 99.9% of the time, it'd just be them trying to shoot their shot. Fragrant Skrill 99 says, I have to admit, it took me a little bit to remember who Denisov was. Haha, I got him mixed up with Dolokhov. Anyway, I remembered that he was a bit of a scoundrel, and it made this chapter more interesting. What's this guy up to? I always felt I couldn't trust him, and now he is giving advice on how to win the war. I'm not sure how much of a leash Kutuzov will give him when it comes to carrying out his plan. I'm interested to see what happens between Denisov and Andre. Does Andre know what Denisov also proposed to Natasha? Oh, sorry, that Denisov proposed. Could be interesting for them both to find out their commonality. I don't think Denisov is uh, a scoundrel, you know? I don't think so. I think he was um, a decent guy. Maybe a bit, of a, maybe a bit cheeky, but um, maybe you are thinking of Dolokhov. Four Lost Souls in a Bowl says, Andre knows about Denisov's courting of Natasha. Yes, it's mentioned in the chapter. And she told him stories of her first suitor. Also, I never recall Denisov doing anything scoundrel-like or untrustworthy. Are you sure you're not thinking of Dolokhov? Yeah, same, same, same. As soon as I read that speech impediment, I cried out, Denisov, Allah, cheers. Glad to see he's apparently fully mended. Yeah, where do we leave Denisov? Was he in that awful war hospital ward? Is that where we left him? I think that was him, wasn't it? So he's recovered. That's good. Uh, that's the discussion. We have discussed chapter 15. So let's read chapter 16. I think I'm looking at the wrong chapter. Chapter 16 goes like this. Well, that's all, said Kutuzov as he sighed, signed sorry, the last of the documents, and rising heavily and smoothing out the folds in his fat white neck, he moved towards the door with a more cheerful expression. The priest's wife, flushing rosy red, caught up the dish she had, after all not managed to present... What? The priest's wife, flushing rosy red, caught up the dish she had, after all not managed to present at the right moment, though she had so long been preparing for it, and with a long bow offered it to Kutuzov. 
He screwed up his eyes, smiled, lifted her chin with his hand and said, Oh, what a beauty. Thank you, sweetheart. He took some gold pieces from his trouser pocket and put them on the dish for her. Well, my dear, and how are we getting on, he asked, moving to the door of the room assigned to him. The priest's wife smiled and, with dimples in her rosy cheeks, followed him into the room. The adjutant came out to the porch and asked Andre, Prince Andre, to lunch with him. Half an hour later, Prince Andre was again called to Kutuzov. He found him reclining in his armchair, in an armchair, still in the same unbuttoned overcoat. He had in his hand a French book which he closed as Prince Andre entered, marking the place with a knife. Prince Andre saw by the cover that it was Le Chevalier de Signe by Madame de Genlis. Well, sit down, sit down here. Let's have a talk, said Kutuzov. It's sad, very sad, but remember, my dear fellow, that I am a father to you, a second father. Just want to mention that that's the second um, mention of Madame de Genlis so far in the novel, and I wonder if people can remember the first mention. It was an insult that the young Rostov kids flung at. Um, what's the oldest Rostov sibling? Um, I was going to say Maya. It's not Maya. Um, Vera. Natasha called Vera a Madame de Genlis. Uh, anyway, let's continue. Prince Andre told Kutuzov all he knew of his father's death and what he had seen at Bald Hills when he passed through it. What? What they have brought to us? Kutuzov suddenly cried in an agitated voice, evidently picturing vividly to himself the print from Prince Andre's story the condition Russia was in. But... Give me time, give me time, he said with a grim look, evidently not wishing to continue this agitating conversation, and added, I sent for you to keep with me. I thank your serene highness, but I fear I am no longer fit for the staff, replied Prince Andre with a smile, which Kutuzov noticed. Kutuzov glanced inquiringly at him, but above all, Prince Andre added, I have grown used to my regiment, am fond of the officers, and fancy the men also like me. I should be sorry to leave the regiment. If I decline the honour of being with you, believe me. A shrewd, kindly, yet subtly derisive expression lit up Kutuzov's podgy face. He cut Bolkonsky short. I'm sorry, for I need you. But you're right, you're right. It's not here that men are needed. Advisers are always plentiful, but men are not. The regiments would not be what they are, if the would-be advisers served there as you do. I remember you at Austerlitz, I remember, yes. I remember you with this standard, said Kutuzov. And a flush of pleasure suffused Prince Andre's face at this recollection. Taking his hand and drawing him downwards, Kutuzov offered his cheek to be kissed, and again Prince Andre noticed tears in the old man's eyes. Though Prince Andre knew that Kutuzov's tears came easily, and that he was particularly tender to and considerate of him from a wishing to show sympathy with his loss, yet this reminder of Austerlitz was both pleasant and flattering to him. Go your way, and God be with you. I know your path is the path of honour, he paused. I missed you at Bucharest, but I needed someone to send. And changing the subject, Kutuzov began to speak of the Turkish war, and the peace that had been concluded. Yes, I have been much blamed, he said, both for that war and the peace, but everything came at the right time. Tu vien point exilique which means everything comes in time to him who knows how to wait. 
and there were as many advisers there as here, he went on, returning to the subject of advisers, which evidently occupied him. Ah, those advisers, said he, if we had listened to them all, we should not have been made. Sorry, we should not have made peace with Turkey, and should not have been through with that war. Everything in haste, but more haste, less speed. Kamensky would have been lost if he had not died. He stormed fortresses with thirty thousand men. It is not difficult to capture a fortress, but it is difficult to win a campaign. For that, not storming and attacking, but patience and time are wanted. Kamensky sent soldiers to Rostchuk, but I only employed these two things and took more fortresses than Kamensky, and made them Turks eat horse flesh. He swayed his head. And the French shall too, believe me. He went on, growing warmer and beating his chest. I'll make them eat horse flesh. And tears again dimmed his eyes. But shan't we have to accept battle, remarked Prince André. We shall if everybody wants it. It can't be helped. But believe me, my dear boy, there is nothing stronger than those two, patience and time. They will do it all. But the advisers, intendant par de set oil mal, don't see it that way. That's the trouble. Some want a thing, others don't. What's one to do? he asked, evidently expecting an answer. Well, what do you want us to do? he repeated, and his eyes shone with a deep, shrewd look. I'll tell you what to do, he continued, as Prince André still did not reply. I'll tell you what to do, and what I do. Dans le tout, monsieur, he paused. Abstience toi. He articulated the French proverb, proverb deliberately. When in doubt, my dear fellow, do nothing. Well, goodbye, my dear fellow. Remember that with all my heart I share your sorrow, and that for you I am not a, a serene highness, nor a prince, nor a commander-in-chief, but a father. If you want anything, come straight to me. Goodbye, my dear boy. Again he embraced and kissed Prince André, but before the latter had left the room, Kutuzov gave a sigh of relief and went on with his unfinished novel, Les Chevaliers de Signe, by Madame de Genlis. Prince André could not have explained how or why it was, but after that interview with Kutuzov, he went back to his regiment, reassured as to the general course of affairs and as to the man to whom it had been entrusted. The more he realised the absence of all personal motive in that old man, in whom there seemed to remain only the habit of passions, and in place of an intellect, grouping events and drawing conclusions, only the capacity calmly to contemplate the course of events, the more reassured he was that everything would be as it should. He will not bring in any plan of his own. He will not devise or undertake anything, thought Prince André. But he will hear everything, remember everything, and put everything in its place. He will not hinder anything useful, nor allow anything harmful. He understands that there is something stronger and more important than his own will, the inevitable course of events, and he can see them and grasp their significance, and seeing that significance can refrain from meddling and renounce his personal wish to direct, sorry, his personal wish directed to something else. And above all, thought Prince André, one believes in him because he's Russian, despite the novel by Genelis and the French proverbs, and because his voice shook when he said what they have brought us to, and had a sob in it when he said he would make them eat horseflesh. On such feelings, more or less dimly shared by all, 
the unanimity and general approval were founded, with which, despite court influences, the popular choice of Kutuzov as commander-in-chief was received. All right, there we go. There's that chapter for you. Good chapter. Quite liked that. Have your say about it over on the subreddit. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow.